2: Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms.
2: You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio.
3: Check, microphone, check up. Mic, mic, check, microphone, check up. Mic, mic, check, microphone, check up. Yo, yo, yo. These right-wingers must have OD'd off that Mountain Dew. I saw it on the news. They was all angry. They was shouting, too. Was waiting for the shot first. Was wondering who shot first. Was hella white looking like a Kid Rock concert. Now how you be the everyman with them tickets you still afford? Y'all came okay to and trying to start a civil war. Oops, my trip. That's the no-fly list. Don't cry, bitch. Nobody likes you when you do treason after night shift. I need them reparations, but I'm waiting for impeachment. Say black lives matter, then they tell you we the heathens what well, half the country really needs an intervention because they want to go and start an insurrection tell me what the fuck
2: good morning 2021 can't wait to see how i'll be threatened when the insurrectionists turn their ass on the general electorate a healthy recipe of heckling Get my vespa keys and trespassing i might sound paranoid but it's my specialty i don't even know if i need to say it Extra sweeter, extra quiet in the background. Because these white clowns they about to come for the blacks now. I ain't really scared. I'm ready for war, just like they were yelling when they were knocking on the Capitol doors. 7 out 1776, like we've seen this happen before. Only option left is pushing back on the fairs for force. Or else they'll be running Candace Owens in 2024. And I'm telling you, I can't take it no more. Nah, you gotta strike them down, gotta show them what's really up. Because otherwise they're coming for us, they're coming for us.
3: Hey, my name's Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting on...
2: Reparations. Hurry
3: up! Hey, what's going on, everybody? So, again, we're doing it to y'all. We've switched up the uh, episode topic today. Uh, We did mention it on Facebook and Twitter yesterday. So, if you follow us on those, then you'll know that we switched up what the episode was supposed to be. But what we were going to do, and what we've been teasing for the last two weeks is we had this, uh, plan to do an episode that was about like the black experience and nerd and geek culture and discussing the, the lines and ties between hip hop and comic books and hip hop and anime and Afrofuturism. And you know what I mean? We have like a really dope ass interview with Megaran and it's awesome. And we have it and it's together. And we would love nothing more than to share it with you guys because it's, like, kind of fun, or it's a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. But just as we handed in our episode last week is when the siege at the Capitol happened, and we didn't get a chance to talk about that. And um, as we were thinking about what to put out this week, it just kind of felt weird to, like, you know, not address (laughs) what's on both of our minds.
2: Particularly in, like context for like my experiences of that day um i was uh sworn into my first full term as commissioner that afternoon and as images started to emerge from dc of the Capitol being stormed um reports circulated about uh secretary of state brad raffensperger being evacuated from the state capital um as you know high ranking neo-nazis gathered outside and were patrolling the halls looking for him uh as a person that has like received the violent ire of the right wing uh at numerous points in my public service i was like hey yo is it really safe for us to be having the swearing in ceremony outside uh and uh found that a lot of my fellow uh electeds kind of like didn't understand why that would like be a serious thing like yes we are an hour and a half north of the, of the state capitol, and perhaps would not be as visible a target for the kinds of groups that we're gathering in both our nation's capital and our state's capital. Um, but nonetheless, opportunities to target like left wing politicians um, emboldened in recent days by uh, rhetoric from. Uh, various congressmen right-wing pundits and the president himself like you might as well just be as careful as possible but in this aftermath you know i had a like private ceremony inside the city hall meanwhile my like colleagues did their thing you know in front of a crowd uh outside on on the city hall steps um it got me thinking a lot about you know uh the importance of pretty much everyone speaking out and pushing back against uh like these emboldened fascists, like uh, the way that some folks like feel like it's not their business. It's not their problem. It's not their like sphere of influence. Um, and that's, you know, the way that many corporations have operated for the last four years. That's the way a lot of, like businesses and others that have ties to the, these folks have operated in the last four years. And that's how we got here in the first place. And so if p- folks aren't like standing up now to say something, like, this is only going to happen again and indeed is like you know looking like additional uh actions armed groups will be gathering in state capitals and our capital um in like the coming days or weeks and so uh it's just something that's been on my mind a lot like what are what is our responsibility as uh folks involved in governance in this moment um what is our responsibility as like activists involved in like community organizing and, like, community self-defense, if necessary, uh, in this moment. And so I just, like, kind of had that on my mind. I wanted to talk about that a little bit today.
3: We've got some songs about uh, rioting and civil unrest for the music discussion, and we'll have that a little later on.
2: We are going to be joined, once again this week, by former deputy campaign manager for Daniel Blackman, uh, policy analyst, student of political science at Georgia State, and general uh, badass organizer, uh, Paul Glaze.
3: And we will have all of that for you after the jump. Okay, so to give a quick little recap of what went down as if most of y'all listening don't already know. So last Wednesday, they had one of those Trump Stop the Steal rallies on Pennsylvania Avenue in D.C., and the president riled up the crowd into storming the, or moving their quote-unquote protests from Pennsylvania Avenue to the uh, nation's capital. Um, a combination of Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump Jr., and some speeches, days leading up to General Flynn. They were ginning up their supporters to act out. It was kind of obvious to everybody that this was going to be something big and something that would probably turn violent. And that's exactly what happened when hundreds, if not thousands of Trump supporters decked out in full Trump gear. Some of them full camo, body armor, vest, weapons, bear spray, flashbangs. They stormed the Capitol, forced their way in, ransacked the place, uh and just generally caused chaos, and there was a lot of chaos and confusion. Now, where we stand now, uh, almost a week removed from that situation, there has been no official federal report put out, but the uh, story is being pieced together through good reporting and reviewing of the hours of video that was taken at the day, and it's painting a picture that is quite disturbing and chilling. It's a picture of uh, extremely organized, extremely planned right-wing militant operation that was coordinated with by sitting members of Congress as well as notable figures in the right-wing media space. And the end result was what we all saw on the television screen, as well as five people dying, including a capital city police officer, um, numerous people and police officers injured, and a somewhat tepid response by the federal government in, in terms of putting down said riot or protests, so initially you know with my co-host and, and, and friend being a, a city official like you were on my mind a lot that day and I know you just talked about you know having to go through the swearing process during while all that stuff was going down like how just how did you feel like About just doing it Like did you feel like You just kind of wanted To call it a day And maybe not go through With some of that stuff With everything that was going on
2: Well at my first swearing in In 2018 I set a new precedent For the city In holding my swearing in On the city hall steps And inviting the public To join in Because I felt it was Really important to invite people into our political processes by just, like, you know, you know, instead of having it in, like, the basement where no one can see, like, hey, this is how this process works. And if you want to stick around after, you can come to our commission meeting and see what we're voting on. And maybe this is the first time you've ever sat in the commission chamber. Maybe it's the first time you've ever um, heard us speak on issues at a voting meeting and sort of, like, making it fun and making it in, in, inviting and inclusive. And so it was honestly just, like, a little sad this time uh, to, like to not be able to take part in that like safely like I was reassured in the you know hours beforehand that there would be um Athens-Clarke County police you know heavily patrolling the area and monitoring downtown for any um threats but as we know now like that and as I felt then like that doesn't really make me feel a ton better when we know that like off-duty police officers were some of those that were involved in the storming of the Capitol. Um, that uh, there was conf- the conflicting messages being sent by you know officials about what sorts of response or presence, um, like the National Guard and other entities, should have on the ground in D.C. And so, like, kind of like a, awareness of the uh, disparate responses, um, different kinds of of political. Action or political dissent uh, receive from law enforcement. I'm like, I don't really, yeah, yeah. Like, if they're trying to, if they're trying to like snipe, snipe me off of the roof of the parking deck across the street. I really don't think there's anything y'all are gonna do about it. And so we got in, we got out, got it done. It was very different from the first time I was sworn in, and for that I felt a little bit sad. But uh, ultimately, we like went into the meeting and you know did our thing to show the people that in the face of like, threats of violence and instability. Um, like, the government still gets its shit done.
3: So you never really entertain the idea of, like, Yo, let's cancel this shit today?
2: No. I mean, like, continuity and, and stability of government in the face of, like, unrest is so critical. Like, for us to not show that we're scared or thrown off by, you know, that's what they want. They want they want to destabilize the government. The best thing they that the, the greatest gift we could have given to them was canceling our voting meeting that night. So it's like, see, oh, look, if we, you know, threaten them, if we don't even threaten them, we threaten people, you know, hundreds of miles away at the Capitol, that's enough to see to it that poor people can't ride the bus for free or they're not voting on these things that are going to make lives better for, like, the working class and, like, people of color, et cetera. So um, there was, I, you know, had to be sworn in in order to do my votes that night, and so there was no question in my mind that, like, we got to do this, you know, we got to make this happen.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, bringing, uh, it's good that you bring up that concern about the police because you know i mentioned how they've got all these police officers on camera being welcoming to the rioters there's like motherfuckers giving people hugs taking selfies you know what i'm saying like leading the way and from you know what i've been hearing today is the situation is even more so like dire because they're starting to suspect that some of this has infected the Secret Service as well. So they're having to reassign members of the Secret Service who have been part of the Trump ecosystem. See, there was a story a couple of years ago about Secret Service members staying in Trump hotels, like the fancy penthouses and stuff, and it costing the government hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, this is, this is why, because now there's like a, apparently like a loyalty sect built into the Secret Service, so they're going to have to, at the inauguration, they're going to have to have counter snipers to watch, you know what I'm saying, the police (laughs) Secret Service, like, because they don't trust them as far as with Biden security and stuff. You know, if, I I was just about to say if you're of a certain age, but that's not even really necessary. It's like, if you are American, chances are you've never seen any shit like this before, Um, just in terms of what's going on with the government. This whole threat of like a fascist takeover and shit like that for the libs out there, the, the, the worst case scenario that you're imagining of how like a fascist takeover of the USA would be like pretty much if you were black before 19, like 81, (laughs) that's pretty, that pretty much was your reality. So just imagine that, you know what I'm saying? But that's, that's, what's going to go down.
5: 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Prudential knows that no community
0: is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints.
3: We're going to be joined right now by our homie, Paul Glaze. And I wanted to get some of your initial thoughts about what went down, Paul.
4: So the first thing would just be that uh, right now, as we're recording this, uh, it's been reported that um, armed protesters, quote unquote, uh, are, are gathering and surrounding the Texas state capitol. Um, Right now, uh, guns have been banned on the grounds of the Capitol. And like, look, I got family from Waco and I got to tell you, you got to be pretty fucking out there before anyone in Texas bans you from having a gun on you. Like that's foundational to their culture. Um, You know, we've known for years, we've had reports for years of white supremacist infiltration of law enforcement. Um, The FBI... Um, just a couple days ago declassified yet another report that had not been public as of yet saying it's worse even than we thought. Um, they also today uh, released that uh, there was an FBI office in Maryland um, that actually used the words these people are coming to war about the DC mob. Um, I mean like I, I feel like we right right now we're still in that like, liberal media debate over what word to use like what, what what do we call these people do we call them a mob do we call it a riot do you know uh, what do we do with this um, and you know at the end of the day like these are Nazis and you know some people don't like you know using the word Nazis or whatever people cry about it take cruises on Twitter crying about it these motherfuckers literally were like wearing Auschwitz hoodies like they literally said 6 million Jews were not enough, you know, like that's, those are the people that we have out here. Um, and I think it's really interesting that, you know, we're, we're, recording this here in Athens, Georgia, you know, and in North Georgia, in Northeast Georgia, specifically just North of us is where a lot of the organized white supremacists in Georgia, you know, reside, live, organize. Um, But those aren't really always the people you see at these things. Like, the first person we knew from Georgia that was at them, uh, you know, was at the Capitol, uh, was like a doctor or a lawyer from Alpharetta. You know, so like, I think what's really, I think what's causing a lot of the panic right now is that uh, a lot of white people in America have been able to live under the fallacy that this was like a yokel problem. And for years, people like myself and people that organize in rural spaces and rural white spaces have been saying, you're really, really obfuscating the problem when you put this, when you make the, you know, the MAGA hat stereotype this uh, trailer trash white guy uh, from the middle of nowhere. Because like, like those weren't the Nazis, like the Nazis were the people that were like, Emboldened, and we're like, oh, great, my posse's here. Now I can step up and spend my money and take my shit. Those are the people you have to worry about. Um, And those people, by and large, start off when, you know, when when their family starts coming up, taking jobs like in law enforcement, taking jobs in, you know, like middle manager levels. Like those are the people uh, that you really, really have to be more concerned about in the long run. Um, because at the end of the day, like Joe Dirt from, you know, uh, Alto, Georgia, um, really just kind of wants to drink some PBRs and shoot some shit in his backyard, uh, and eat some barbecue and like, yeah, he's brainwashed like anybody else is. Um, but he doesn't have the organizing capacity to pull off something like what we're looking at right now.
3: You know, I've been seeing, uh in reading, like, think pieces and stuff about what exactly is, what exactly it is that we're looking at right now, you know what I'm saying? Like, trying to find maybe the socioeconomic roots of what that crowd was. I, I kind of struggle to understand what the use of that information is at this point in time. You know what I'm saying? It just seems like, that seems like an academic concern for like history you know what i'm saying like after we're out of this point then we can go back and reassess the shit but i don't understand what the purpose is especially for people who are you know of the left or left-leaning or whatever i don't understand what the purpose is of getting to the root of that or concerning yourself with that in this moment you know what i'm saying that it doesn't like it doesn't really matter what percentage of that was economic anxiety <laughs> you know what i'm saying like because it's happening now you know so it's like unless we're unless somebody's talking about how we deal with it and or what we do to prepare ourselves to be completely honest with you it's like i don't really give a fuck what you're talking about you know what i'm saying we 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 kind of discussed this uh, yesterday but For the last five years, this has been my personal like subject of interest or concern. Where it's like all of the policy things that I care about and the thing like all the all the the progressive policy stuff that I care about that like I'm, you know, ready to to argue and duke it out with a fucking liberal or a neo lib about. For me, it's hard to even get myself in that headspace because the overall impediment to all those policy ideas is republicans having power of any kind in within the united states it's just kind of like for me that's where i stand at this point is it's like my number one issue is republicans can't be trusted to hold elected office so defeating republicans at all costs right now and you know perhaps saying that three or four months ago might kind of seem like a a lib thing or you know what I'm saying to do like now in the face of actual activated you know right wing movements you know what I'm saying I don't see how that's like a illegitimate focus right now because we can't get any of our shit that we want done with these people standing in the way
2: Yeah, I I would agree that like our immediate concern has to be accountability and like crushing fascism like Unequivocally, in order for like us to move forward, and so like overly being overly focused on what sort of policy prescriptions are necessary to like bring this country together, because like I, I and I say that because like I agree that it's probably like the petite bourgeoisie or whoever that are actually you know who have the organizing capacity to be pulling off things like this, but like their cause is. Gains legitimacy through, like, millions of people coming out to vote for someone like Donald Trump, which are, you know, a lot of the, I mean, the, a mixture of like, you know, well-to-do uh, white supremacists, but also like just basic, normal, uh, like, dude that lives in a mobile home in you know Northwest Georgia somewhere that just likes to shoot shit and drink beer, like that, like millions of. People going to vote for a fascist then like lends legitimacy to like their claims of, oh, the election was stolen. Oh, there's so many of us that like if we rise up and we take this through violence, there's, there's millions of people standing with us. And those people who do have that economic anxiety that is driving them to vote for fascism, like there, there is policy work to be done to improve their material conditions such that fascism is no longer appealing to them. And, but I think we're getting... I think that, yes, we are getting, like, the cart before the horse a little bit. And that, like, all of our focus right now needs to be on accountability. And we can work out what policy needs to happen in order to, like, bring people together and, like, bring people out of the murk and mire that, like, inspires their, you know, desire for an authorita- you know, authoritarianism. Uh, like, we can get to that shit later.
3: I hear you. I just... I know, like, like if you, if I, when I look at the pictures of that crowd and I try to just, in my head, break it down, what percentage of it is what, like, I'm only willing to give myself, like, 30% for economic anxiety. You know what I'm saying? 30% of that was like, man, that's economic anxiety. These people are in a fucked up situation to where they're um, predisposed to falling for the Trump grift. I get it. You know what I'm saying? But... I do think that a lot of this shit is in bad faith and a lot of it is purposely depending on people being logical and decent and using that against against us. I
2: mean, I think we got to talk about whose economic anxiety because it's the it's like the economic anxiety of the upper middle class as well that we're going to enact redistributive policies that like make it so that they can't crush the working class under their like stilettos anymore like it's not necessarily like the oh i'm fucking poor and like i'm mad at you know mexicans and black people for taking my job it's i'm rich and i want to ensure that i can continue to fuck over mexicans and black people by paying them 725 an hour it's those people
4: yeah i think it's also important that like we we can't I, i think it's i think it's it's uh uh i think we're already buying into the trap when we talk about um, falling for the grift, because the fact is that white people have been comfortable living under fascism since white people became white people. There's never been a time where they actually shared power in any kind of like you know large scale cooperative way. It's never happened. Uh, we've never done it. that's you know like just just being real. like the places in which we see people of color in power are places where people of color are the majority and took power. Um, So like, I think, I think that right there, uh, like even just from the get go is kind of a false framing. I also think that when we get to it, there's uh, one of Bill Clinton's advisors uh, wrote a book called you're fired um, last year. That's mostly schlock. Um, But it does have one really salient statistic that like fact that everyone should know, which is that the first time that Democrats ever won a majority of college educated white people was Hillary Clinton in 2016. That's the first time it used to be up until 2016. I mean, a little bit before that, really, but up until Obama. College educated white meant Republican. That's it. Because college educated white people had money, and were out to protect their money. And after the 2016 election, we saw a whole lot of people, um, you know, try and push back on this narrative of economic anxiety and all that um, by pointing out that his base, by and large, uh, was actually fairly
3: wealthy. I do believe that the uh, medium income for a Trump supporter is $70,000. Yeah, no, it's up there. Um, And what makes that, I think, really
4: salient— um, is that and I'm not this is not some uh, incredible insight that like Paul Glaze has given you right now people way smarter than me usually women of color have said this before but we're not looking at, at economic anxiety because of the economy we're looking at the D like in, in the chain of things of what begets power and what begets more money whiteness used to be the top And whiteness is now no longer the top. Now it is just concentration of money. Concentration of money brings power. Now because of whiteness, the vast majority of people with the concentrations of money are white in our society and therefore like that perpetuates whiteness. Um, But those benefits um, of whiteness outside of the incarceration state um, and outside of um, really like as white people have fled the cities, then there's not a whole lot of basis of economic power that white people can claim, like, via patronage. Um, And so, like, there is economic anxiety, but it's not the same thing as, like, the way we frame it.
3: What can be done by people on our side to help prepare for this moment? Or what can they get into?
2: I think that, like, organizing community defense is... Is important um like having like a disciplined group of folks that are trained in defense of various kinds that can provide a rapid response to situations since there is both a mistrust of law enforcement based on what you know re- findings revealed by the fbi as well as just like the their occupation of our communities and how that's eroded trust in law enforcement um I think that is like a necessary component of the work to be done moving forward. You know, we take care of us, but we got to have like organized and disciplined folks that like know their shit and know their community to do that work. Um, I think that uh, I I was a part of like a big push early in Trump's presidency or people who were like contacting their lawmakers to like try to you you know delay the confirmations of various cabinet members and pressure them around various points of policy um and i think a lot of folks fell out of those habits uh from a place of nihilism of of cynicism of defeat but now is the time to step up and start pressuring those people again to step down if they were a part of inciting last wednesday's insurrection of showing support for the bravery of folks like Corey Bush and Jamal Bowen who, as their first acts of Congress, are like seeking to expel or investigate like they felt their colleagues. Like uh, that takes some serious balls, I think, and like kind of having their back, particularly as they could be made targets by the right uh, in retaliation for those efforts. Um, I think those are that's important work to do. But from a citizen's perspective, those are the first things that come to mind.
4: Yeah, even from a cynical perspective, um, I think... uh, I don't always agree with Killer Mike, but uh, I think that um, black gun ownership is incredibly important right now. Um, And this is twofold. One, because people got to defend themselves, um, but also from a cynical perspective, that's a... That gives... People that have a vested interest in arming people um, who want to do the community harm a stake in different communities. Um, and that's a really cynical, terrible thing to say. Um, right now, I would say the number one thing um, would be establishing community um, uh, emergency medical um, P- uh, volunteers. Um it, there were some Israelis in New York U- that took a service from Israel to New York City, um, where people. It's basically like it's a volunteer emergency, like Uber network, essentially, of um, of medical professionals. Um, and wherever you are, um, if you are, you know, part of part of the app, it tracks your location and pings the closest person um, and brings them in. And certainly, like that, that kind of infrastructure is not available to everybody um but if every neighborhood has one or two people that they know because like look in Georgia we know that certain communities are overrepresented amongst rn's are, are overrepresented amongst um the people who are providing most of the medical services in uh underserved areas um and we need to have a hotline for that kind of stuff um because maybe we can't afford to see the doctor but Right now in Georgia, there are no ICU beds. They do not, they are all full. They do not exist. Most hospitals are one third full of COVID patients. And they just found the first of the UK strain here. So that's only going to get worse. So, right now, until, you know, our senators elect can find whatever grift they got to do to reestablish all of our rural hospitals. Um, then, like, that's a lifeline that has to be established.
3: As it stands, they're talking about sometime on the 17th and the 20th, like, having a nationwide storming of the capitals. Uh, You know, as Paul just told us, they're currently around the Texas capitol. They've got all their guns and their signs, and they're doing all their stuff. But, I mean, they've already, we already, as far as, like, the terrorism national security End of this, we've already seen their tactics and their playbook over the last five years in terms of what actual how their terrorism is actually going to take form. I mean, they're definitely going to do their '90s style Oklahoma City bombing type stuff, but let's not forget, Dylan Roof happened after Donald Trump came down the steps. You know what I'm saying? And um, the Parkland shooter was a Trumper, and. The other, I forget, it was that Texas church, I forget which incident that was, but it was another one of those shootings back in 2017. That guy was a Trumper. The, uh, pardon me? Tree of Life Synagogue, the um, Christ Church in New Zealand. That guy was an alt-right internet Trumper even though he was from Australia or whatever. Um, And the dude who shot up the Walmart in 2019. When you see these gravy seals and you Qaeda talking about civil war, civil war, civil war, none of these dudes are dreaming of, like, guerrilla-style urban warfare with Antifa forces in the streets of Chicago, you know what I'm saying? They're just talking about, when they say civil war, they're talking about, oh, I'm going to go shoot up a gay club, you know what I mean? Or, I'm going to go shoot up a black church, and that's the strategy they're going to use, so it's all very strong incel energy, so just try to stay safe out there. I've been seeing... The thing... I wanted to pick y'all's brains about this and see what y'all thought about this. The thing that's been... Other thing that's been bugging me about some left commentary on the situation at hand is like, I don't understand how we've... You know, I've seen some people bringing up the concern about the government's reaction to everything going on. And some leftists bringing up what I think is a legitimate and good fair point about how, like, the, the, the feds might be using this right-wing extremism as an excuse to do the military-industrial, you know, domestic surveillance overreach, you know what I'm saying? Patriot Act 2.0, that sort of thing. And it's like, I totally understand that as a concern. I just don't necessarily like the framing that that is the expected reaction. You know what I'm saying? At least it's not to me, and I totally could be wrong, and again, we all have to remember everything that I say is from the context of somebody who did not live in the U.S. until I was 18. You know what I'm saying? So take take that for what it is. But it seems to me like the expected reaction, like federal government reaction in the face of like a national rising right-wing anti-diversity movement would be to look the other way as opposed to, oh, no, we got to stop this.
2: I mean, as a principled abolitionist, I have to. Sh- I I do share those concerns and 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 the concern that we are continually focusing on catching the problem once it becomes a problem versus eliminating the conditions which give rise to the problem. And so, expansions of the surveillance state, um, strengthening of like laws against domestic terror, things like that, is serve only to like. To treat the symptoms of the problem and uh i have some hope that you know i guess biden recently it was like yo i'm not gonna be like beholden to austerity politics or something like that and you know bernie chair of the senate budget committee things like that like we can get policies in place that again like help stabilize our communities such that fascism authoritarianism violence things of this sort are no longer appealing you know through years of struggle um for folks that we are we are now having to deal with on the back end once they have already become problems um and so i'm not i don't get caught up as much in the fear that like oh well if we strengthen the police state strengthen you know surveillance give more money to the police whatever this stuff will be used against The left because I think that I mean it's like Well sure um, I'm not looking at This as a left right problem I'm looking at this as Like what What do we actually what do we actually Need to root out These societal ills And the FBI Being able to better listen into The phones of someone who's already a white Supremacist like Is they, like That person's already a white supremacist you already lost You already lost the game
3: I hear you, but as from a... I mean, the, the the white supremacist end of it, though, is just what tie they have, though. I mean, that from a law enforcement standpoint, that argument could be made for anybody, you know what I'm saying? For any, like, organized group of people doing, you know what I'm saying, some sort of... Like, the, the thing that... The only problem that I have with that is, is just a lot of the way that fascists operate is manipulating the language and the argument of the left in order to make their shit easily digestible because they know that progressive and left leaning you know what I'm saying? Like, shit is more more, like, more appealing to just the bigger mass of people, and they know that their shit is scary and fringe and crazy and that people don't most people don't want to be associated with it. So they mask a lot of their arguments and shit like that. Like, the Nazis weren't socialists, but they definitely put that name in there because they wanted, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to appeal to, like, not seem like what they were. And in that sense, we all know how the right wing utilizes, like, for example, the free speech argument, you know what I'm saying? And they manipulate it and they manipulate, like, our genuine concerns about civil liberties and free speech for to get out their propaganda when none of them believe in that whatsoever, a couple years ago, there was a, a video that was floating around of Richard Spencer, famous Nazi, actually like having this discussion with a bunch of other Nazis. They're like, hey, guys, so we don't believe in freedom of speech, right? Well, no, 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 no. Just for now. And then when we take over, then no. I feel like worrying about things like just in the context of them, like worrying about like, oh, man, it's really going to suck if the government is overreaching and is cracking down on these guys because they're going to do that to the left. They're going to do that to the left anyway. If there's some big leftist movement that's going on, like, there's not going to be any response from the government that's like, let's crack down on the Wait, guys, we didn't crack down on the Nazis, so we got to leave them alone, right? You're right. Let's, let's, that's not how that's going to happen. They're going to come down on us anyway, so it's just a matter of whether we're concerned about this or not.
2: It's not that... I don't think we need more. I think that we're very clearly utilizing the infrastructure currently in place ineffectively by, you know, classifying people all you know like black like black lives matter people as like black identity extremists as opposed to like monitoring closely enough the m- machinations of the Ku klux klan so for ex- so mac was saying like oh have any black lives matter activists been put on the no fly list like well no but now we see folks that were stormed the capital you know they can't get home and they're crying in the airport because they can't get on a plane now and so that is an example of using our existing infrastructure effectively. Finally, it's not that we need more of it; it's that we have all the things in place that haven't been used against these people b- before. So that, so I mean, that's another place where I stand on that issue. Yeah,
4: I, I tend to agree with Mariah in that um, you know, in a perfect world, we would just be reprioritizing people who pose an actual threat and like you know, intellectually, honestly uh, evaluating what the threat levels of different groups. Um, but if look, it's kind of a Faustian bargain, and if the bargain is we need to increase the budget for these organizations, which again historically have been some of the major tools of oppression of indigenous and black power movements domestically and internationally. Um, you know, if we have to give them some more money in return for them, you know, like focusing where they need to focus like, as a short-term, you know, deal, I'm fine with that, honestly. Like, that's all right. Another big thing that is gaining support with pretty much everyone, because if you just stick to the message, it's pretty hard to argue against, um, is a national registry of police officers and law enforcement people so they can't go from state to state or county to county um, and just get a new job after they, you know, bust a homeless guy's head open for no reason. Um, But I think that, If we're like, if you're an internationalist, then you kind of have to look at this as, are we going to prioritize, are we going to strengthen the networks that oppress us here at home? Or are we going to strengthen the networks that oppress everyone else, everywhere else? Um, As uh, you know, like I I count myself as someone who tries to have international solidarity. I tend to say, I'll take the people here. Um, But also I have less skin in the game. Um, you know, so it's not really my place to say all the time. I think that the uh, you know the, the real problem here is that like the surveillance state's already complete. Like, what else? What else do they need that they don't have? And if you can't answer that question, then then I, I kind of think that this is. I agree with you, Mac. That like it is disingenuous of people to say to use the civil liberties argument to distract from the fact that for the first time in US history um, except for a brief spurt in the 90s uh, the FBI and the CIA or whoever are actually looking hardcore at white militia movements and acting in a public way but they they do track these people the issue right now isn't that they it's not that they don't track these people it's that these people are now there's now a wide enough base of um, mentally disconnected, community disconnected white people that are willing to go while out in public as opposed to concentrated cells
3: of individuals. With uh, the point that you're making, right, like, and the point that you're making that the surveillance state is like already complete, you're right. I don't think they need to do more. They just need to reorder focus. You know what I'm saying? In all fairness, I just I possibly don't know, but I haven't heard Anything about like Patriot Act two or like an increased budget for this or increased budget for that? I haven't heard of that. I've just, I it, though, huh? It no, I'm talking about now, like in like in the, within the last week. Of- I'm just I'm just saying like what I've been hearing has been about a reshifting of focus as far as like where the national security state is looking because you know it's a known thing in two thousand nine there was a study that was done that was warning you know in the post uh, Obama being elected, it was a, you know, national security intelligence briefing that was warning of, yo, right wing white extremism is going to be the, what we're going to be talking about Like in the, for the next coming decades, let's, let's get on it. Let's make it a thing. Let's like put all of our efforts towards that. And Mitch McConnell made a huge thing about it and was like, yo, if you bring this, if you bring any legislation up out of this, we're going to like scream bloody murder the same thing that they did with the Russia intelligence thing where it's like if you bring this up we're going to scream bloody murder and say that oh they got the black president and they're persecuting right wingers this is about this is against conservatism you guys aren't you know what I mean this is this is, you guys are persecuting conservatives and stuff like that and obama bitched and backed out and didn't do it you know what I'm saying and 10 years 15 years later now we're, we're or 8 years later we're in a place where Uh, right-wing domestic extremism has killed more people than any Middle Eastern Islamic extremism, you know? So what I've heard has just been a refocusing of, hey, maybe we should utilize some of the surveillance state to, like, actually look at, you know, motherfuckers that actually pose, like, a threat.
4: Well, and as as you, you know, look at what you were talking about, about, like, Armed groups outside of the U.S. versus you know white militias here and white nationalists and like dis- like what, what we're what we're looking at structurally is we're looking at a Republican Party that has a couple different factions, but is mostly the Christians, the people with no government infrastructure, and people who are principally motivated by whiteness. Um, and then you have everybody else who, to some degree or another. Are either disgusted with the entire process um, or are in the Democratic Party um, loosely, you know, like the majority of the country actually doesn't identify with the party uh, at all. Um, And, you know, I do agree with you that just because, as like the quote, like if if we're looking at like, if we're going to, I'm going to use a gross term and be like, if we as Democrats, but like if we as Democrats allow ourselves to get bogged down into, quote, like, like in party fighting, then we're kind of missing the point because regardless, we have to break the back of whiteness. And we gotta break its back in a hardcore way. And then when everyone are like, you know, like I'm here here we go and I'm about to say some shit that like Trumpers would, you know, absolutely say, like, oh see, we told you, we told you they they believe in this. Like, yeah, when they are dependent upon government for jobs, then they're gonna be much less willing To go do fuck shit. And I don't like that. That's my people. That's my community. That's my family. But at the end of the day, when left to our own devices, we have proven to be murderous to literally everyone else on the planet. So, like, at the end of the day, we either got to contextualize this within the entire arc of white society and white, quote-unquote, civilization, or we can you know, buy into this ideological divide, which doesn't really exist because the average person and the majority of white people, this is why sometimes it's a lot easier to organize amongst poor white folks. Like I can go to the average poor white folk. Like you go to a tea party, like in 2016, I would go to like the Forsyth County fair and Forsyth County is one of the reddest counties in the country. It's rapidly diversifying and it's Southern third and therefore like, doesn't look that way now. But like this County didn't desegregate until 1989. So, like, I go to the Forsyth County Fair and you go to the Republican tent and the Republicans can barely talk to you. I mean, like, it's it's like, nah, fuck you, like, demon rat, all all the shit that they say, libtards. You go to the Tea Party tent and they'll go right to the door of, of like, a decent materialist analysis and saying, like, oh, no, like, these, like, like, the government is just, like, selling us out to corporations. Like, they'll say things like that and it's like, okay. okay. So, you, you do see something, you know, like, like there is something happening here, and, like, like, we can work with that.
3: The only problem is, that's that shit that Tucker Carlson, like, pedals and manipulates. Like, and that it fucking pisses me off that, like, that some leftists fall for that. Not that you were, obviously not. But it's just, like, some people really don't take into consideration that when a right-winger says, I hate corporations... And when a leftist says, I hate corporations, those niggas are talking about two completely different things. All right? Like, the leftist is talking about, I hate corporations in the way that we traditionally understand that somebody who's left leaning would hate corporations. The right winger is saying, I hate corporations because they don't fuck with the Jews. That's pretty much what they mean. That's that's, when when Tucker Carlson is talking about, oh, we've got to stop corporate takeover. That's what he's talking about. Oh, they're talking about racial couples in their their
2: Citibank commercials now. Kind of shit.
3: Yeah, no, yeah. so this was a good talk, y'all. As you guys can all probably tell listening out there, this has definitely been on our mind a bit for the past few days. So thank you for letting us share that. Um, well, we're going to get into the music discussion, and Paul's going to stick around with us for the music discussion. So we'll be with that right after the jump.
0: And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals.
4: course
0: our best smartphone deals your choice of plan learn how to get the new samsung galaxy s24 plus with galaxy ai on us with eligible trade-in at&t connecting changes everything
1: offers vary by device subject to change s24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time terms and restrictions apply see att.com slash samsung for details
5: witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other
0: With Black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at
3: prudential.com slash blueprints. Okay. So that we're not completely mired in the, emergency doom and gloom uh tried to we're still gonna have a music discussion for this episode um i tried to find some songs of the past that had uh, the theme of like revolution or rioting. um again this is strictly just to lighten the mood and listen to some music but still keeping in touch with the topic that we were talking on Up first, we have this track by DJ Green Lantern, featuring Dead Prez, both members, Saigon, is one of my favorites, Immortal Technique, and Just Blaze. Uh, It is called Impeach the President. This came out back in 2006, Um, (laughs) like, about Bush and the Iraq War and shit like that, but... With impeachment in the air, I figured it'd be something interesting to listen to. Let's check it out.
2: The first thing that came to mind as I was listening to this song is like the liberal reaction to people calling out Obama. I was like, well, if all presidents are, you know, if Obama was a war criminal, then so are all presidents. And it's like, well, I mean, if you look at, if you look at their, you know, kind of track record. Historically, yeah. I mean, you kind of can't be the president.
4: So one, this is like exactly my shit, uh, which is like a good classic brass section on the sample. But like the two things that stick out to me, like first and foremost, one is uh, I know I know we've said this a million times, but the uh, give the man a blowjob so we can impeach him. Um, How far we've fallen that like that's what it used to take. And now you can, you know, just like foment armed rebellion against the state and no one gives a fuck. Um, You know, but the other thing that I think is, like, really hysterical is that, you know, the narrative for the people on the ground doesn't really ever change. You know, like, we're talking about the same shit the entire time, and you can pretty much play any track like this, and it's, like, the same themes, the same shit, and at the end of the day, like, George Bush is responsible for a million dead people in Iraq. Period. Point blank. And is that, like, better or worse than Trump? Like, yeah, maybe. But, like,
3: either way, you can make an argument. But, yeah, all presidents are war criminals. You know, I was thinking about this shit um, just last night because, you know, I was thinking, damn, if George Bush does have that, uh, like, he does have that, list of bodies because he started the iraq war and you know i know that people make that argument a lot especially like now that because trump's been such a train wreck like that like the the bush name has kind of been shadow rehabilitated a little bit you know what i'm saying it's like i get it but the thing that i that i try to look at and this is in no way I mean, shit, I, I don't think I need to say this. Like, this is in no way any sort of, like, excusing of George W. Bush or anything like that. But we did go to war for, like, 20 years. You know what I'm saying? And that that having happened created a level of war weariness in the populace that Trump actually could use, yo, not going to war as one of his things to run, you know what I'm saying? But four years later, with what we know about Donald Trump, if just the general American public like, like don't get me wrong, the war machine has kept going, the industrial military complex, we all know about all that shit, but like, it's kind of like a bright side sort of thing where it's like, now in order to do shit, they have to do like fucking secret clandestine stuff and they can't just like openly like galvanize the country to want to go to like an open ground war with people and shit. Whereas, if we didn't have that wariness already built up because of what George Bush did, can you imagine what Donald Trump would have like done with like the military and just like I mean we're talking now about them trying to push going to war with Iran on like the last days like if you think if Donald Trump thought he couldn't get a political benefit out of it, that we wouldn't have been going to war with Iran like some point? I
4: think the other funny part is that like you know when we think back about the Bush years and we all know that you know dick cheney is you know he's the puppet master and it's got that line in there about like you know if you can handle if you can handle dick and get him out of the way then you've got you know george bush kind of neutered how long did liberals labor under the delusion that pence was going to do something to like rein in trump's like darker impulses like even now this week they're like oh pence he's going to do the 25th amendment he's going to 25th amendment and it's like y- y'all pence's only job is for white Christianity to have their guy in there as a check on Trump. Like, that's it. And Trump did his job by them, so who cares? But
2: it's to have the the uh, the veneer that he will have, have the check on Trump. Not that he'll actually do it, but he's there so that the liberals can point to him and that white Christianity can point to him and say, like, oh, everything's going to be okay, uh, as if th- his mere presence accomplishes the fact When we're seeing that he hasn't done shit and is not going to do shit. He's not going to invoke the 25th. And I I guess even if he did, half the cabinet has resigned. So, like, conveniently, like, oh, there's nothing I can do.
3: Shit, it's 2021 right now. So what do you guys think about a song like this coming out back in 2006 and... I mean, we've got we've got the spat of songs that we've covered that were, came out over the summer, and then we have like you know the handful of "fuck Donald Trump" songs that were made. Are you does this make you like a bit more disappointed or surprised or whatever that there's not more songs of protests and stuff? Because this is just a mixtape song. Like this is just something that's on like a mixtape with a bunch of rappers. And I guess I'm not even necessarily talking about songs about protest, but just like about like this political situation or this political moment
2: i mean kind of because even if we don't expect and because as i've you know discussed on previous podcasts i don't like i don't hate on rappers for wading into political waters where they don't have an informed opinion to give like thank you for staying out of it if you don't have anything to contribute to the conversation but like immortal technique is like not inactive like who else on this track dead press like it's not like they're like not like where are they now like these are the kind of cats i would trust to like bring forward like salient and like insightful political analysis on the situation that also bops uh so it's like perhaps there is a lack of leadership within the hip-hop community that sort of lead the way of like this is what like you can make a protest on that bops and also is like incisive in its analysis of what is going on. And ain't nobody really, like, step up other than, like, oh, this is my first protest, and, like, I'm marching, and, like, feels good, I'm standing up. Standing up for what, bruh? Like, what do you, like, what are your policy prescriptions, bruh? Like, what do you want to see happen, actually?
3: No, I agree, and I agreed with you back then, in, in that episode too, that it's, like, it's best if you have nothing to say, don't say anything, you know what I'm saying? Or if you have nothing to contribute to the conversation. But, I mean, it's not necessarily, like, this song was like a big song. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite, you know what I mean? Like this is like a hidden gem, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would doubt that it's a significant amount of people who heard this song in comparison to other songs. But just in an industry or an art form where we're always talking about the turnover and like how, you know, the youth movement is the main component of it, you know what I'm saying? I hear your point on, like, these are, like, the rappers that are... They're not active, like... I did a song with Stick from Dead Prez, so, like, he's definitely still making stuff. Saigon's still doing, like, every... Saigon just signed the Stranger Music. Everybody's still working and is still active, and these are, like, voices that have been around, you know what I mean, that we could, could depend on to drop some real shit. But this song's from 2006, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just, like... I'm just i'm kind of surprised that you know it's not more of a in 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 these times because because it's a sign of what people are are just interested in you know so even if if a motherfucker might not have anything super constructive to add to the discussion it just lets it's just to me it's another one of those things that lets you know where an artist's head is at and lets you know that you're living in the same world you know what i'm saying here we are We had this whole elaborate episode that we wanted to do about some shit that we were both genuinely into, like on the nerd culture, nerd black culture and shit like that. And then we were like, yo, that really doesn't fit how we're feeling because of the world that we live in. And this is our outlet. So it's going to reflect what we're thinking, really. Does it make sense? So, like, we're we're dealing with it in the way that we can. I just expect, you know, especially for some of these cats that you know are, like, studio rats and are always cranking out music, I'm just surprised that it's, like, not every other day I'm not saying on this blog here or that blog here, yo, here's a new anti-Trump or anti, well,
2: I don't know. Pro-democracy at this point, I mean, you even got to be for Joe Biden. Y'all know I'm not, but, like, for the love of God, like, let our institutions do what they're supposed to do, I guess. And it's also, I think, I think
4: there's like two other salient points. One is that I think it's easy to forget in everything that's happened in the last 15 years, how like formative Katrina was like that more, I think honestly, more than, more than a rock. Like Katrina was a real mobilizing, you know, event Uh, in our our failures there. I mean, we lost 10,000 kids out of the public school system, just disappeared. And the second is that, you know, now the narrative has kind of changed from, like, the heads of hip-hop. Like, now it's, you know, the the message, if you can characterize any, like, over-the-top message, it's black capitalism. And, like, when you go to black capitalism, you go to an individualism place, um, and that's not necessarily as conducive to social movements, you know, as a community upliftment.
3: Up next, we got a... Track by got a track by Ice Cube off of one of my favorite albums when I was a kid, Predator. This is a song addressing the 1992 LA riots called "Tear This Motherfucker Up." This song is really dope. Let's check this out.
2: And I heard this song a number of times, but hadn't really like pegged some of the references were explicitly uh, tied to the. 92 LA riots, like, talking about, like, beating up on the cops, that beat up on Rodney King, talking about how your National Guard ain't shit, you gotta send in the SWAT. Uh, I just never caught a lot of those references before. I just thought he was just on some regular, you know, Ice Cube shit. I uh,
3: I think that's, like, a point of what makes songs like that great in a way is because if you just put it on and you just listen to it, like, just not necessarily analytically like that, it's just like a dope rap song. You know what I mean? You could just, if you're not even really catching that he's dropping the names of the officers and shit, it's like, oh, it's just like rapper tough guy talk. I'll beat this dude up. I'll go to this dude's house. I'll bring the beef to your doorstep. You know what I mean? But it's like, then if you listen to it, it's like, oh wait, he's talking about all the cops that beat Rodney King. Ah, okay. That, you know, then it just adds more context to it if you want to listen to it that way. If you're fucking drunk or high and it's just a dope beat and Ice Cube saying some slick shit that's rhyming dope, you know what I'm saying? You can take it that way too. And I think It's one of those things where it doesn't come off sounding like a fucking PSA or, like, message rap. You know what I'm saying?
2: And that is, I think, like, as I think I bring up oftentimes on the show, like, the underlying political power of hip-hop of creating these, like, subtle entryways into historical moments or discussion of, like, policy prescription, like, through a song that you just put on in the background and jam to when you're driving to work every morning until the day it hits you. That he's talking about how the National Guard ain't shit, and like, you're like, wait, oh,
4: wait a second, wait a second. I don't know if this is like a weird comparison, but it kind of reminds me, like, it kind of makes Cube like like a black Charles Bronson from Death Wish. Like, it's it's righteous, but it's also it's also vengeance. Um, you know, like like it's it's definitely. Uh, and it, I, I don't know what sticks out to me now, like I guess looking back in 2021 is. How much more explicit and radical this is than the vast majority of shit that comes out today? Um, like even people that are even people that you know are masquerading like that, and it's like, man, like the, the guy didn't have to talk about like literally anything except for this one situation he was in. He didn't have to like bring extra cred with him. He, like it just stands on its own.
3: And if you contrast that with um what was the name of the little baby? song that came out earlier in the summer the bigger picture yeah if you contrast that with the bigger picture which was a good song that i did enjoy you know what i'm saying but like ice cube was probably younger than the baby was when he made this <laughs> the little baby was when he made this and um this is a way like if this had if if this had come out during the the heat of the George Floyd protest, I think people would be saying, yeah, this is a really irresponsible song to release right now. <laughs> it, like, I think a 2020 audience would feel that way about it. So that's it for the music discussion today. Just a little light. Look, trust me, we have so many songs that we're going to be talking about next week on the nerd episode. You know, assuming that that's what we're able to do. But, um... You know, so we're, we're going to have a long music discussion when that comes along. But, um, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about, Mariah?
2: What do you think is the likelihood of, of them passing Jamal Bowman's, uh, Coup Act? Which is, it's, uh, it's, a uh, um, Jamal Bowman is a newly elected uh, congressman out of New York. Um, you know, new member of the squad, supposedly. We'll see, you know. I have faith I'm just like you know it's a little grain of salt um but his bill would commission an investigation into ties between uh police officers uh and uh other uh government officials and the white supremacists that siege the Capitol on Wednesday um to sort of uncover the depths of that corruption and the the depths of the uh shall we say uh uh what's the word like ent- <laughs> entanglements no <laughs> like the de- like the, the relationship yeah the degree to which there was coordination the degree to which there was coordination between these entities um so I don't know so you hadn't heard of, heard about that okay yeah because I know Cori Bush has put forward the bill to expel Republican members of Congress which is like very unlikely to succeed unfortunately because I do think they need to go I mean, I just feel like Democrats be weak, man. They don't I don't like how to start playing nasty and they're it's completely unwilling to.
3: I mean, I if 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 he's proposing that, I agree with that. I think that sort of thing and what Corey Bush was is trying to do too. I think I think that is like the <laughs> the most important thing right now to do is to like tackle that shit right now. I think the uh the thing that's really going to hurt us is if we treat the situation like the republicans have a leg to stand on in it you know what i'm saying if if we, if we treat them like it's like oh man you know we can't really go all out prosecute or persecuting them for what happened because you know what about when you know? Then it's just gonna swing the pendulum to, so far to that way that they'll start persecuting us when they have power, and and it's like they're going to anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like they're 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 definitely gonna try to impeach Biden just to be obstructionist. You know what I'm saying? For no reason. They're just like like they're talking about all the shit about cheating elections because they're definitely going to try to cheat whatever elections come up next. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we just gotta be prepared for this, and I think that stuff like aggressive legislation you know i mean to at least make it clear that it's like hey the people who are cool with this shit they can expose themselves because they either voted for these you know i'm saying these efforts or they voted against it so we know who's who and that's an important thing right now is to know who's who because this is like some deep-seated spy versus spy shit going on right now that's like really kind of scary Hopefully, I mean, the next time that you guys hear us, my birthday's on Sunday, so I'll be a year older. Hopefully, you know, hopefully, I don't want to be gloom and doom, but hopefully there's this shit's just talk and it's just internet shit. And then we'll be, you know, and we'll be with you guys next week talking about, damn, you guys remember that last week when we were all scared and fucked up? You know what I'm saying? But just in case it's not, everybody be safe out there. Uh, we do, as of now... Next week, we're going to be doing that Megaran, or the nerd episode where we have the Megaran interview. It's going to be real dope. Now let's get into some rapper things. Joel, give me a beat. E-E-E. Since my birthday's on Sunday, I spit this verse that I wrote for my birthday like four years ago. Coolin', chillin' in my b-boy stance Tip bucket, watching b-boys dance On block, supply pressure, lendin' Nimoy's hands Even though I thought I never stood a decoy's chance I don't know what it is, grains I be going against Used to be young, and full for show, now control when I spit. And I always put the mileage on the soul of my Timbs. Cause I don't want to see a jailer have to show with my prince. That ain't enticing to me, doing life in a bing. Life can feel like a prize fight with Tyson the ring. I'm Lil Mac, how real is that? What I'm trying to scream is get the crumbs, eat the plate, and every slice of the thing. There's got to be barriers, let the steam carry it through the beef. Grief and survive the leech area, it's scarier. Rise in your moment of defeat. Even when it has you lemons, dog, you know you got it. Yeah. Answer it
2: enough to see if my draw dash is here, but it's a MAGA hat, it can't brandish a magnets with it, Lear. So when he grabs me, and he drags me to a van and puts me in the back of it. I say a prayer to my ancestors, he's sailing. Shut the fuck up, bitch. You're screaming, it's bloodshed. I swear to God, if you even think about running, your guts will be slatted all over that sundress. And speaking of which, I'ma need you to undress. They find my corpse freshly dead on my doorstep. I think to myself as I unzip my orange dress, he wasn't a communist, you probably be gorgeous. He whispers as he put the pistol to my forehead. God
3: damn, that was dark. (laughs) Hey, yo, my name's Dope Knife.
2: I'm Lengua Franca. And
3: we are Waiting on Reparations.
2: Hurry up! See you next week.
3: Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio.
2: Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Visit 80 to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.